What is up everybody, it's JT Sports, and I'm back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Now, I have a really exciting episode, I'm going to be talking about a lot of interesting topics around the NFL, I'm going to be talking about Mitchell Trubisky, the Detroit Lions, Ben Roethlisberger, so if you haven't already, make sure that if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure that you go ahead and give the JT Sports Podcast a five-star review. Helps the podcast out a lot. Make sure to follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram and my Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. I'm going to repeat that one more time. My Instagram and my Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. So, I want to talk about why Lamar Jackson is the most important player in the NFL. Now, I know a lot of you guys are probably going to say, what about Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is a great player. Yes, he is the face of the NFL, but hear me out. The reason why I feel Lamar Jackson is the most important player in the NFL is because if, and I do say if, he takes the Baltimore Ravens to the Super Bowl, and gets them to a Lombardi Trophy, he is absolutely going to change the quarterback position forever. And here's why. The quarterback position right now is as talented as it ever has been. You got guys like Russell Wilson. You got Patrick Mahomes able to make all kinds of throws with his arm strength from all kinds of different arm angles. You got guys like Deshaun Watson that are able to improvise, extend plays, pick up extra yardage. You got your Tom Brady's and your Drew Breeses of the world. But you got Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a rare athlete playing quarterback. A couple of years ago, we would have never entertained the idea of Lamar Jackson play, playing quarterback. A lot of people would have tried to move into running back or wide receiver. And with the NFL being a copycat league, everybody's waiting to see how this Lamar Jackson experiment is going to turn out. Now, if Lamar gets the Ravens to the Super Bowl and they win, with the NFL being a copycat league and every team trying to find new ways to win, most of the time those teams like to replicate other teams' success. And they do that by trying to implement what that team did to win. That's why you see a lot of people trying to implement the Patriots' way. Now, if Lamar Jackson takes the Ravens to the Super Bowl and they win it, you're going to start seeing a lot more teams trying to find the next Lamar Jackson. Just like how a lot of people were trying to find the next Cam Newton or the next Russell Wilson or the next Michael Vick. Now, you're going to have some Ravens fans out there that are going to say, JT, there will never be another Lamar Jackson. Well, people said the same thing about Randall Cunningham when he first entered the NFL. And when Randall Cunningham retired, a lot of people said we would never see another Randall Cunningham. The way he was able to be such a dynamic runner and also being a very solid thrower for the Philadelphia Eagles. But what happened after Randall Cunningham? They ended up finding Warren Moon. What happened after Warren Moon? You find Cordell Stewart. You found Steve Air McNair. You found Donovan McNabb. Then after Donovan McNabb and those guys came Michael Vick. And Michael Vick was past his time, really, because Michael Vick really played in an era that nobody knew how to stop him. Because nobody ever seen a quarterback with that kind of athleticism, 
that Michael Vick possessed at the quarterback position. The quarterback position is kind of like the theory of evolution. You know how people say that supposedly all humans came from apes. We started out as apes, then our brains got bigger, we got smarter and things like that, and that's how we became what we are today. And we're still evolving. Where the quarterback position is still evolving. We thought there would never be another Michael Vick. But we only thought that just because we never seen another quarterback that possessed the kind of skill set that Michael Vick had. Well, later on, you get your Cam Newton's of the world, you get RG3. Now, Cam Newton worked out, took the Panthers to the Super Bowl, but he wasn't as explosive as an athlete as Michael Vick was. Then you get RG3. Now, the RG3 experiment happened, didn't work out in Washington. Then you got Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, they're not Michael Vick, but they do have the playmaking ability. But then you have Lamar Jackson, who comes along, who... A lot of people felt should have played wide receiver or running back coming into the league. But the Ravens said, no, we're going to keep Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. And we're going to try to make it work. Well, what happens? Lamar wins MVP in 2019. And now if he takes the Ravens to the Super Bowl and they win, a lot of teams are going to be trying to find the next Lamar Jackson with quarterbacks with that kind of athleticism that are able to throw the football. So now teams... If Lamar wins, they're going to reevaluate the quarterback position because now a lot of teams are going to try to find quarterbacks that are just as fast as Lamar, that are able to run four twos, four threes, and four fours in the 40-yard dash, and are also able to throw the football at a pretty high level. And with that, you're going to have a whole different entire generation of quarterbacks. Now, I'm not saying this change is going to happen overnight or it's going to happen next year or the year after that. Or it could happen in the next decade or so. What I am saying is that if Lamar wins for the Ravens, you're going to start seeing quarterbacks with an entirely different breed of athleticism. You're going to start seeing a lot more quarterbacks if Lamar Jackson takes the Ravens to the Super Bowl that are going to be able to run four twos and four threes. Now, a lot of guys are going to say that there will never be another Lamar Jackson, but we only think there will never be another Lamar Jackson because there hasn't been a quarterback like Lamar Jackson discovered yet. But if he wins, trust and believe, a lot of front offices, a lot of coaches, and a lot of scouts are going to be going all over the country trying to find quarterbacks with this kind of athleticism that Lamar Jackson possesses with the good ability to throw the football. And comes that, you're going to have quarterbacks who are going to not only have that athleticism, but they're going to be better throwing the football coming out of college going into the NFL, the what guys like Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson was. It's kind of like with Michael Vick. Michael Vick wasn't really all that great throwing the football. He was a great runner, but he wasn't that great of a passer until he got to Philadelphia with Andy Reid. Well, look at the evolution. Look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson going into year three is a better passer than what Michael Vick was in year three of his career when he was playing for the Falcons. That's evolution. With that comes quarterbacks coming out of college better so you're going to have quarterbacks that not only are going to possess Lamar Jackson's athleticism but you're going to have quarterbacks that are be going to be coming into the NFL better throws of the football than Lamar not only that but you're going to have quarterbacks that are going to have Patrick Mahomes ability to throw the football anywhere with his arm strength and ability to throw the football with different arm angles with Lamar Jackson's athleticism 
You're going to have quarterbacks that may not have the same arm strength of Patrick Mahomes, but they're going to be accurate on top of having Lamar Jackson's athleticism. So what I'm saying is that if Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens, be ready to see a whole entirely different breed of quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, we're not talking about guys that have good athleticism like Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. We're talking about elite athletes playing the quarterback position. Guys that should be track stars, basically, that are running four twos and four threes. That is going to be the new standard of what guys are going to be looking for in the NFL. Now, with the quarterback position evolving, what's that going to vote for guys like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson? Well, not really. Those guys, like I said, the new quarterbacks, the new breeds of quarterbacks that are going to be coming in, they're going to be faster, and they're just going to be as good throwing the football. Now, what's that going to vote for pocket passers? Well, pocket passers are going to have to adapt because I assure you, in the next 30 years, the NFL is going to have defensive tackles that are going to be 305 pounds that are going to be able to run four eights and four sevens and maybe four sixes and four fives. The athletes coming into the NFL now are bigger, stronger, and faster. So, in the next 30 years, if you're playing in the NFL in 30 years from now, and all you can do is throw the football and you don't have no athleticism to extend the play or get something the pocket breaks down, you're not going to last in the NFL. Because at that point, you're going to have guys like Chase Young who are going to be coming after you. And if you don't have enough mobility to escape those guys, you're not going to be able to have a lot of success. So the pocket passers, they're going to have to adapt. Now, they may not be as athletic as guys like Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, but they're going to have some kind of mobility. So if Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens, you're going to see an entirely different breed of quarterbacks because more teams are going to be trying to find quarterbacks with that kind of speed, that kind of athleticism, and that ability to throw the football. And they do exist. They may be playing in Division 1, FCS Subdivision, Division 1, Division 2, Division 3, Juco, and Ayaye. Trust me, a lot of people are going to be trying to find these quarterbacks. They're going to be going all over. Steve McNair came from Alcorn State. That's an HBCU. So, trust me. Teams are going to find ways to try to find the next Lamar Jackson. But if Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl for the Baltimore Ravens, he is going to evolutionize the quarterback position. And he's going to change the way that people evaluate and what they want out of a quarterback. Now, I'm not saying every team is going to want the same kind of Lamar Jackson-esque athleticism, but I'm just saying you're going to start seeing more teams looking for those kind of qualities in a quarterback if Lamar Jackson is able to be successful. So, let me move on to another quarterback. I want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky. Now, what I'm about to say is probably going to scare a lot of Bears fans. They're probably going to get really upset. But I think that, being realistic, I think Mitchell Trubisky most likely will be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears when week one of the NFL season kicks off. And here's the reason why. It's not because I don't think that Nick Foles isn't good enough to beat out Mitch Trubisky. That's not what I think it is. I think the first reason is going to be, firstly, because I don't think the Chicago Bears are just going to just easily give up on Mitchell Trubisky, a guy who they used the first round selection on, 
and drafted him over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. I don't think they're just going to say, you know what, we're just going to give up on you. We're just going to go ahead and start Nick Foles. I think they're going to at least want to see a couple of weeks of Mitchell Trubisky before they just go ahead and wave the white flag on him. Another thing is that Nick Foles may not have the chemistry down packed in time when week one begins with the wide receivers and his teammates. It may take him a while to still learn the playbook, although he did play under Matt Nagy when they was with Kansas City and Andy Reid a couple of years back. But that still doesn't mean he's going to have to get caught up with the system. So he's going to have to learn the playbook. Week one may come around. He may not know as much of the playbook as he needs to to be the starter. So I know a lot of Bears fans are probably not going to want to hear that. But I think that's pretty much the more realistic way of thinking. And me personally, even when the Bears did trade for Nick Foles, I still think that Mitch Trubisky was going to be the starter regardless of who they brought in that quarterback. Unless you brought in a guy like a Cam Newton or something like that, I still felt Mitchell Trubisky would have been the starter because, look, you invested a lot in Mitchell Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky may be a late bloomer. He may be a guy like uh, Alex Smith. Alex Smith, to start off his career, a lot of people felt he was a bust. But later on, he started to develop even though it did take him a couple of years, but he ended up becoming a pretty solid quarterback. Mr. Trubisky may be a late bloomer. Mr. Trubisky, maybe he just had a bad season. Maybe something clicks, and he finally becomes the quarterback that the Chicago Bears envisioned him to become when they traded up the draft him over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. But I don't think the Chicago Bears are just automatically going to say, you know what, we're starting Nick Foles. Without trying to see one more look of Mitch Trubisky. Because like I said, when you invest a lot in something, you want to see that investment pay off. You don't want to easily give up on that investment. And I don't think the Chicago Bears organization is quite ready to move on from Mitchell Trubisky. I think if they were ready to move on from Mitchell Trubisky, I think they most likely would have already cut him already. We've seen a lot of first-round selections get cut. Like look at Johnny Manziel. He got cut. So, I mean, look, teams don't really hesitate to move on from quarterbacks who they waste a high draft pick on. If you can't play, you can't play. The Chicago Bears still have a little bit of faith and still have a little bit of hope that Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback that they pictured when they drafted him. I think they brought in Nick Foles to motivate Mr. Trubisky, motivate Mr. Trubisky to get better. And we've been, I read a couple of reports about Mr. Trubisky apparently doing a lot of work this offseason, and he's getting really better. And he's going to be an entirely better quarterback than what he has been the last few seasons for the Chicago Bears. Now, like I said, another reason why Mr. Trubisky will probably start week one is because he may know more of the offense being there longer than Nick Foles which is why it will make a little bit more sense because you want to start the guy who knows more of the offense. So if Mr. Trubisky doesn't plan out, you go ahead and you stick in Nick Foles around that point, week five, week six of the NFL season, you'll pretty much have a good look of if Mr. Trubisky doesn't have what it takes to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, you go ahead, you put in Nick Foles, and then you go from there. But I just don't think the Chicago Bears are necessarily just going to hand the keys over to Nick Foles week one 
without seeing one more look and without giving Mitchell Trubisky one more chance to prove that he has what it takes to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. So, I want to talk about the three most underrated NFL teams heading into the upcoming NFL season. Now, subscribers suggested this to me for a video idea a couple of weeks ago. I tried to find a comment, but this was a comment on a video that I made several weeks ago. So, I couldn't find it because I upload so many videos. But, you know who you are. Props to you. And... These are my three underrated teams. Now, the three teams on here, at least two out of three of these teams that are on here, were teams that nobody in the media really is giving all that love to. I didn't want to have, like, the Devil Broncos on here because everybody knows that the Devil Broncos are underrated. Everybody knows that the Devil Broncos are the biggest sleeper going into this upcoming NFL season. And plus, I already made a video. I wanted to make a video on three underrated teams that, People in the media and a lot of people in general aren't really talking about. So here are my three teams. So the first team that I have on here, I have the New England Patriots. Now, of course, I say that I want this list to be different. I don't want to have the obvious teams on here. But I think a lot of people are really sleeping on the New England Patriots. I think the New England Patriots are really underrated. Like, they got Cam Newton, and a lot of people still don't think they're going to win that many games. Now, I think that the New England Patriots are going to make the playoffs with Cam Newton. I felt they were going to make it to the playoffs regardless of who the starting quarterback was going to be. Like, if Jared Stidham was the starting quarterback and the Patriots never never signed Cam Newton, I still would have went with the Patriots to win at least 10 games with Jared Stidham because I trust Bill Belichick and I trust the New England Patriots system. A lot of people forget that Just because Tom Brady left doesn't mean that this is going to be the New England Patriots' first time without Tom Brady. The New England Patriots have won games without Tom Brady in the past. They went 11-5 with Matt Castle, a guy who never started a game in college football. They won games with Jacoby Brissett, and they were undefeated with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. So, I trust the New England Patriots' judgment when it comes to drafting quarterbacks, and I believe that this New England Patriots coaching staff is good enough to win games with whoever is going to be playing quarterback. Now, they have a top 10 defense, not even a top 10 defense. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL. You got the best secondary in the NFL, and you got a pretty good offensive line. The only problem with the offense is basically the receiving core, basically. But if Nikhil Harry steps up and Julian Elliman still continues to be Julian Elliman and stays healthy... And they have a guy like Jacoby Myers who breaks out and they're able to run the football successfully, then it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is going to be. And when you look at Cam Newton, a lot of people say that Cam Newton is messed up. He's not the same quarterback that he was from 2015. The Patriots understand that. But the Patriots don't need Cam Newton to be super Cam from 2015. They just need Cam Newton to stay healthy and do his ass, don't turn the football over, be smart, be smart with the football. And win games. And that's what Cam Newton can do. So I think the New England Patriots are really underrated. I know a lot of people have been saying that the Patriots are underrated. But I just really wanted to put them on this list. Because I think that a lot of people in the media aren't really giving Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots the respect that they deserve. 
The second team that I have on here, I have the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Arizona Cardinals is a team that did a lot of improvement over the offseason. They brought in DeAndre Hopkins, which was pretty much their biggest move that they made this offseason when they basically swindled the Houston Texans for DeAndre Hopkins and basically in return for a draft pick and David Johnson, who was injury prone and has a bad contract. Now you look at the Arizona Cardinals, a lot of people are really high on Kyler Murray. A lot of people feel he can have a Lamar Jackson type season. And I'm one of those believers. Now the offensive line should be a lot better than what it was last season. The wide receiving core now with DeAndre Hopkins, you're also going to have Hakeem Butler coming back from injury. You're going to have Larry Fitzgerald that's still able to put up numbers as well and you got a pretty solid running back group you want to have Eno Benjamin you're going to have Kenyon Drake back there so overall this is an Arizona Cardinals team that at least offensively should be top 10 and the defense isn't going to be top 10 because anytime you have an offense that has like a significant amount of plays then the usual total play average the defense is going to be on the field a lot more compared to what they would be if the Arizona Cardinals were running a typical offense if you guys need a good example look at Chip Kelly when he was the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles the Philadelphia Eagles defenses on paper were never really all that bad but since they were on the field for a good amount of time than the usual NFL average they got a little bit more winded and they didn't really have all that much depth so I think that's really what's going to happen with the Arizona Cardinals I think at best their defense is probably 16th in the NFL but the Arizona Cardinals aren't going to win games based on their defense they're going to win games based on their ability to put up points outscore you on offense and get key stops or key turnovers when needed so I think the Arizona Cardinals are really slept on Colin Murray should be an MVP candidate at least going into this year I like Cliff Kingsbury a lot very innovative offense of mine. A lot of people didn't even think Cliff Kingsbury was going to work. Well, he showed a lot of promise last year for the Arizona Cardinals. So I think the Arizona Cardinals could really be really underrated. And a lot of people forget that they had some really competitive games with the 49ers, the Rams, and the Seahawks last year, and arguably the toughest division in all of the NFL. So I think the Arizona Cardinals are a team that is really underrated that a lot of people are really sleeping on. The last team is the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, a lot of people don't think that L.A. Chargers are going to be that good or aren't even going to make it to the playoffs because of the quarterback situation. And I find that crazy because Tyrod Taylor, I just made a video about him. You can make it to the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor. Now, is Tyrod Taylor the long-term solution for the L.A. Chargers? No. Were the L.A. Chargers looking to bring in Tom Brady? Yes, but I still think that Tyrod Taylor is a good enough quarterback that if you give him a good team, like what he has with the LA Chargers, you give him a pretty decent offensive line, you give him a solid halfback, you give him a good group of wide receivers with Mike Williams, with Keenan Allen, with Hunter Henry, then you got Austin Eckler, who is also a really good receiver in his own right, coming out of the backfield as a halfback. So, I mean, he has all the pieces around to be successful on offense, and he also has one of the best defenses, if not, in my opinion, that's going to end up being the best defense in all football this upcoming season so overall the LA Chargers can make it to the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor and Tyrod Taylor necessarily is he the long-term solution for the LA Chargers no but I think he is good enough to get the Chargers to the playoffs and I think that Tyrod if he stays healthy and he doesn't turn the football over and does what he's been doing for the majority of his career he can get this L.A. Chargers team to the playoffs like if he was able to get the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs a few years back and end their playoff drought I think he can do the same thing with the L.A. Chargers. And this L.A. Chargers team is way better than that Buffalo Bills team that he took to the playoffs a while back. 
So these are my three underrated teams heading into the 2020 NFL season. I'm going to be talking about why the Detroit Lions are the biggest boomer bust team heading into the upcoming NFL season. Now, for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with what a boomer bust team is, basically it is, it is a team that has a good enough roster to make it to the playoffs, but they have a little bit of uncertainty around certain positions and their coaching. A good example was the Cleveland Browns last year. The Cleveland Browns were my 2019 boom and bust team. And their question marks lied around the coaching staff with new head coach Freddie Kitchens and the offensive line. And the Browns ended up not living up to expectations and they missed the playoffs. So a boom and bust team can be really good, make it to the playoffs, or not be all that great and miss the playoffs and bust. And I think the Detroit Lions fit that mold going into this season. Now, the Detroit Lions have head coach Matt Patricia, who a lot of Detroit Lions fans have defended. I say that Matt Patricia isn't the right coach for the Detroit Lions, but a lot of Lions fans say that Matt Patricia needed more time. Well, now, this is his third year as the head coach for the Detroit Lions, and this is probably the most talented Lions team that he's had ever since he took the Detroit Lions head coaching gig. Now, the Detroit Lions are uncertainty at the certain position that they have are basically on defense. Basically, the whole entire defense is in question. How good of a defense are the Detroit Lions going to have this season? And offensively, people had questions about the offensive line, but I'm not really all that concerned about the offensive line. Like, I think the offensive line was really solid last year. As long as Matthew Stafford stays healthy, this offense should be top 10. Now, last season, before Matthew Stafford went down, he was an MVP candidate, but nobody really talked about that. I believe that Matthew Stafford is an elite quarterback. So as long as Matthew Stafford stays healthy, as long as the Detroit Lions offense doesn't suffer any significant injuries and things like that, well, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, TJ Hawkinson, you're going to have a one-two punch at the halfback position with DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson. The Detroit Lions offense is going to be top 10. Now, the defense, on the other hand, is where the uncertainty lies. And that's where Matt Patricia comes into question. Because last season, the Detroit Lions had one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And Matt Patricia was supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. Defense isn't supposed to be that bad when your specialty is defense. But when you look at Matt Patricia now, going into year three, he has basically built a New England Patriots defense. When you look at the roster, this defense should be good enough that it's no more excuses for why the Detroit Lions don't make it to the playoffs this season. Because the Detroit Lions have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. You can arguably make the debate and say that they have the best roster in the NFC North. Now, offensively, I think they have the best offensive talent in the NFC North. Now, defensively, that's where the questions lie. Now, the defensive line is a question mark for me because last year the Detroit Lions only had a total of 28 sacks last season. So I'm trying to figure out who is going to step up and be that dominant one-on-one pass rusher. Now, last year it was supposed to be Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers had like seven sacks, but 
I mean, when you're paying when you're paying a guy like Trey Flowers that much money, you're not paying a guy like Trey Flowers that much money to have seven sacks. Trey Flowers is getting that money to be a guy who has nine sacks or ten sacks or more. So he's a guy who needs to step up. I really like Deshaun Hand. I'm really interested to see what happens with Deshaun Hand this season because I thought he had a lot of promise, but his season last year got cut short to injuries. And basically this whole entire defense suffered a lot of injuries. But going into this year, this defense looks to be really good. Now, what is going to determine how good this Detroit Lions defense is, is going to be how good the secondary is. You got Tracy Walker, Deron Harmon, you're going to have cornerbacks Desmond Trufant and Jeff Okuda. That's going to determine how great this defense is going to be. Because Matt Patricia wanted to build a defense similar to what he had in New England. He has done that. And what has determined the success on how good those New England defenses are, are how good the secondary is. A couple of years ago, a lot of people were wondering why Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots spent so much money on Stephon Gilmore, and now we understand why. Because if you have a great secondary, and you got cornerbacks that can lock down receivers, and you got a shutdown group of safeties, that's going to give the defensive line and those pass rushers a little bit more time to get pressure on the quarterback. So having a good secondary helps out the defensive line. Or having a good defensive line helps out the secondary. So you have a Detroit Lions defense that's built like the New England Patriots defense. It's most likely probably going to be a bend but don't break defense. For those of you guys who don't know what that means, I just learned that means like a couple of years ago. Bend but don't break means we're going to allow you to get a lot of yards. You can get a lot of running yards and get a lot of passing yards, but you're not going to score a lot of points. When you get inside the red zone, you're going to have to earn every single yard so when you look at the defense that's built on that mentality and you look at the defense that the strength has to be the secondary Desmond Trufant and Jeff Okuda have to play at an extremely high level now Desmond Trufant I felt was a pretty okay signing I think he is a above average cornerback I think he's like a top 20 top 15 cornerback and I felt he was pretty solid for the Falcons now you got Jeff Okuda who a lot of Lions fans feel like he is the next Patrick Peterson or the next Darrell Reeves. And I can understand those comparisons. But when I watch Jeff Okuda, I see a little bit more Stephon Gilmore than I see any of those other guys. The reason why is because both of those guys are really good at man-to-man coverage. And both, and both of those guys can take receivers away in man-to-man coverage. Like they can play man-to-man all game. And they can play press, bump and run, man-to-man coverage all game. And completely erase a wide receiver. That's why... Stephon Gilmore was such a big acquisition for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots a couple of seasons ago. And when you look at Jeff Okuda, I believe that is the reason why they took him at number three in this past year's NFL draft. Now, when you look at this linebacking core, I mean, the linebacking core isn't great, but I mean... You're playing behind the defensive line that has a lot of size, that's pretty big and pretty physical... So really, I don't think the linebackers need to be all that great. I think the linebackers just need to be good enough. As long as you're not bad like the Cincinnati Bengals linebacking core has been the past two, three seasons, the linebacking core for Detroit should be good enough. All they really have to do is just play cleanup. I mean, you got a pretty big stout defensive line. Like I said, I'm really excited about Deshaun Hand. His season got cut short to injuries. You got Danny Shelton. You got 
the Okora brothers, Romeo Okora, Julian Okora, you got Trey Flowers. So, I mean, the defensive line should be good enough. But like I said, what's going to determine how good this Detroit Lions team is going to be is going to be the secondary because that's what those New England Patriots defenses were built upon, having great secondary play. That's why the New England Patriots had one of the best defenses last year because they had the best secondary in the NFL despite not having a dominant one-on-one pass rusher. When you have a great secondary, that helps out the defensive line. That helps out those pass rushers. When you have cornerbacks like Stephon Gilmore that can cover wide receivers all day, that gives those pass rushers more time to get home. So when I look at this Detroit Lions team, it's no more excuses for Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia has one of the best offenses in the NFL the defense should be solid. I mean, this should be the best defense that he's had ever since he's got to Detroit. So he has all the tools to win. That makes the Detroit Lions a boom and bust team because if the Detroit Lions don't make it to the playoffs this season, we know it's not because they didn't have a good enough roster. They won't make it to the playoffs because of coaching. That's why I think the Detroit Lions are the biggest boom and bust team heading into this upcoming NFL season. They got a lot of talent. They got a pretty good roster, although they do have a couple of question marks. This roster is good enough to make it to the playoffs. But the question is, how good is the coaching going to be? How good is Matt Patricia going to be? Is he going to be able to make those adjustments? So if the Detroit Lions make it to the playoffs, that means they boom. If they don't, that means they bust. That's why I think the Detroit Lions are the biggest boom and bust team heading into this upcoming NFL season. They can be really good. But they can also be really bad as well. I do think they have a good enough team that they could win the NFC North. I do think they have a playoff caliber team. But simply, do they have the coaching staff and do they have the head coach and Matt Patricia to get them there? That's where the question lies with the Detroit Lions. For my last topic, I'm going to say that Ben Roethlisberger wins comeback player of the year this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, a lot of people have been saying that Ben Roethlisberger is washed up. He's not the same quarterback he used to be. And I find that crazy because the guy is the guy got injured, only played in like two games last season, and guys are saying that he's washed up. Like Big Ben hasn't been a top 10 quarterback over the last four or five years. He's been healthy in the NFL. Now, I will give... A little bit of credit to some of you doubters out there that Big Ben has kind of regressed. I mean, he's still a beast at home, but on the road, he kind of has had some down performances over the years on the road. But you look at Big Ben coming off a season-ending injury, and you look at this offense that he has to work with. Now, he has a top five Top 10 offense. A lot of people keep saying the Steelers offense is not going to be great because it's old. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're not going to be good. Being old comes with a lot of experience. The Steelers have one of the best, most experienced offensive lines in the NFL. They have great communication. They had great chemistry. They've been playing with each other for a very good amount of seasons. Although they did have some new starters here and there. But most mostly... They have about the same amount of starts they have had over the last few seasons. So they have great communication, high football IQ. Then he has a very talented wide receiving core to throw to. Like, 
I think that this may be the best receiving core that the Steelers have had since 2014. You got Deontay Johnson, who was the offensive MVP for the Steelers last season. He had a very great rookie season. Great route runner, great hands, able to make things happen with the ball in his hands after the catch. And the crazy thing is, is that he played last season injured. He played for injury. So imagine what he's going to do fully healthy with Big Ben throwing the football. Do you got James Washington, who James Washington really showed out last season. A lot of people don't give James Washington a lot of credit, but he made some big plays for the Steelers last season. Some big plays, some big catches. Then you also got Chase Claypool, who the Steelers picked up in this past year's NFL draft. Then you got Judas Schuster, who is also looking to make his case for a comeback because he had a pretty poor season. Not only was he not able to stay healthy, but he also didn't really live up to expectations that the Steelers have had set for Juju Smith-Schuster going into 2019. Then you also bring in Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron is one of the best tight ends in the NFL when he's playing with a good quarterback. Last time Eric Ebron played for a lead quarterback or a good quarterback was Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck made Eric Ebron the All-Pro. And the Steelers have been looking for an athletic tight end for a while. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize how dangerous this Steelers offense is going to be with Eric Ebron. Like, I don't know if a lot of you Steelers fans remember this guy, but the Steelers a couple of seasons ago brought in this free agent named Ladarius Green. Now, Ladarius Green played for the Chargers. And Ladarius Green didn't play all that much for the Steelers when we brought him in because he had a lot of injuries and he couldn't stay healthy. But in a few games that he played in for the Steelers, he was an absolute monster. This guy was a beast. He was hard to cover. He was fast. He was quick. He was able to make things happen with the ball in his hands. And he was a red zone threat. Now, we didn't really get to see a lot of Ladarius Green because of injuries. I think he only played in like a handful of games for the Steelers. Then you also got Vance McDonald as well. So, I mean, Ben Rosberger is probably going to have one of the best teams that he's had offensively since 2014 and the Steelers have always had some pretty good offenses and the Steelers have always had time to work with on offense so that's saying something then you also got to look at the halfback group the halfbacks now they're going to have some more room to work with because now teams aren't just going to be stacking the box and saying hey we're going to make Pittsburgh beat us by throwing the football instead of running the football now with Big Ben back now defenses actually have to account for the pass. So that's going to help out James Conner. That's going to help out Benny Snell. That's going to help out Jalen Samuels. That's going to help out whoever. That's going to help out Anthony McFarlane. So I mean offensively. This is the best offense from a talent standpoint. That Pittsburgh has had. In a very long time. And when you look at what Big Ben has to work with. Coming off his injury. I'm not expecting Big Ben to be. A elite top five quarterback. Or anything like that. But I am expecting Big Ben. To help the Steelers make it to the playoffs this year. Like a lot of people think the Steelers are going to go 7-9 and nine and things like that. Like if Pittsburgh went 8-8 eight and eight with Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph. I'm pretty sure Big Ben coming back fully healthy is going to be good enough to get the Steelers at least two more wins. So a lot of people think that the Steelers fans are delusional because we think Big Ben is going to be enough to get us to the Super Bowl. We're not expecting Big Ben to carry us to the Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys realize it, but Steelers fans are used to success. We're used to championships. And we don't expect anything less. When your standard of a good season is only to win a Super Bowl, anything less than winning a Super Bowl is a disappointment, that's the standard. 
Now, of course, every team's goal is to win the Super Bowl, but a lot of teams, fans are happy with going to the playoffs and just winning the playoff game. I'm just making it to the playoffs. That's a good season for them. Before a team that has a fan base like the Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Green Bay Packers that has had, or even the New England Patriots, I forgot to mention, that has had a historical, a lot of success with winning championships, anything less than a Super Bowl win, and bring that Lombardi trophy home and put it on your trophy case is considered a disappointing season. And that's the standard that the Steelers and the Steelers fans hold. So it's not the fact that Steelers fans feel like we're going to be Super Bowl contenders because of Big Ben coming back. Steelers fans expect to be Super Bowl contenders because that's their standard in Pittsburgh. And anything less, it's a disappointment. 